Hello, we have uh, Grant Hicks, who is the President and National Director of Practice Management at Advisor Practice Management, here with us today. He's had a, a very interesting career with 27 plus years of music experience in the financial services industry, including 20 years as an advisor. He has built of $120 million of clients' wealth and has dedicated his life to helping advisors solve his blind spots great business opportunities, and get ahead of regulatory changes. His passion is helping advisors build top practice management processes in their businesses and focuses advisors on three keys, ideal growth, ideal capacity, and ideal lifestyle. In addition, he is part of five published books, and Grant is best known for co-authoring Guerrilla Marketing for Financial Advisors with Jay Thank you, Grant, for joining us today. How are you? Excellent today. Thank you. The topic today that we're going to get into uh, a little bit later is going to be a bit about uh, going beyond data, but I'd love for us to start uh, with uh, you telling our audience a little bit about uh, your background and how you built uh, your fantastic your fantastic 27 plus years. Sure. It's been an interesting journey, and uh, along the way, I've had three unique experiences. The first unique experience is really being a financial advisor and what it takes to run a practice, a team, managing clients' assets, and going through all the different changes and, and growth of being a financial advisor, all the challenges that you have and all the opportunities you have as an advisor. And this is the second opportunity, which is interesting, is I was the National Director of Practice Management for Mainland Canada, <laughs> and I got to travel across North America and seeing how successful advisors run their practice from the inside out and actually looking at their practice and working with their practice and measuring what are the key profit indicators or KPIs of managing a successful practice. And that's the second thing I did. And now the third thing is I get to speak to uh, advisors across the country. In North America, I spoke in Thailand and in uh, this spring to Asian advisors. And so I've got a bit of a worldwide view of what is happening with financial advisors currently as I'm constantly traveling and constantly speaking to advisors as president of advisor practice management and truly finding what is it that's going to drive advisors to be more successful in the future. So that's a bit of my background and uh, looking forward to sharing a few of my insights through traveling. Uh, around the world and working with different advisors and different practices. Now, you have also co-authored uh, Gorilla Marketing for Financial Advisors. Can you speak a bit about that? Uh, did that was that genesis or the catalyst came from kind of traveling around and meeting literally thousands of advisors uh, nationally? Yeah, so my co-author, Jay Levinson, uh, he was a brilliant man, and he created or was part of the firm, part of the group that created the Jolly Green Giant, the Pillsbury Doughboy, the Marble Marble oh, wow. Man, and he was a marketing genius. And uh, he applied, you know, what big business is doing, and he created mm-hmm. a concept called guerrilla marketing. What can small business do to compete against the large business? And it was and it was really revolutionary at the time. And the whole concept is investing time, energy, and imagination, not necessarily money into growing your practice. How can you truly think outside the box and create more without spending 
a whole fortune of time and money is what creative ideas can you do to grow your business, especially in the current market, the current environment? And, and that was really the revolutionary um, trend that he created with the Grill Marketing Series. And I applied it to the financial industry, and I found that, you know, the same results is, you know, a lot of people are running a smaller practice. Mm-hmm. And they might not have a huge team and a huge amount of resources, but how can they compete against um, large teams and large resources to really deliver that comprehensive planning and advice that other mm-hmm. firms are delivering? So, and the, the um, and some of the some of the tips and tricks without I'll be giving away uh, too much content from from the series, uh, and we'll definitely have a link uh, to that uh, series uh, off of our blog. But uh, were there any tips and tricks for our listeners today? Uh, I know that uh, we at Fineo have been traveling around the country and, and meeting different uh, clients, and you know a lot of the conversation does steer towards, you know, how do I continue to grow my business? Uh, or they talk a little bit about the issues that they might be facing with the product sets that they're that they're selling, um, and there's just the day-to-day operation changes um, that they face as you know trying to cons- consistently try to be competitive in, in a in a large market yeah so the, the two things that you know really hit home for me is when I ask, when I'm in a group full of financial advisors successful financial advisors or new financial advisors it doesn't matter is I ask everybody put their hand up if they could use help a little bit of help and a little bit more work on the client acquisition process mm-hmm. and inevitably every single group, puts up their hand. Everyone in the industry can always use a little bit of help on the client acquisition process. They always want to either get better clients, more clients, um, you know, having a better process to acquire more clients. So that that's that's clearly the number one thing in in the industry for advisors. And that help that helps them grow. And then the second thing is one word is feedback. And I built my practice on feedback, on passionate feedback, and I built the process of getting more and more feedback from your clients, doing feedback workshops with your clients, doing feedback workshops with Center of Influence, and really focusing on what I call the blind spot, is unless you're getting consistent feedback from your best clients, how do you really know if you are giving them the best experience possible? And the people are going to give you and tell you what the best experience is, it's your clients. I can't give it to you. I can't write it in a book. I can't tell you what it is. We can give you all the data and research and numbers. But unless we start asking our clients these questions, what are the three things you value about our services, those types of questions, how are you going to really grow and define that ideal client experience? So, so the two things are acquisition, and feedback. Those are the two key words that I would I would focus on for advisors, and that's the, the two keys that I would kind of take away from the book that I put in there, and to try to give you an idea of how do we nail that acquisition process, and how do we get that ideal client experience through feedback. Those are the two things, and I got some step by step ideas in, in the book as well for for advisors to say how do I do it, what do I do, and Here's the process that I did. Here's the process that other successful advisors did. And here's the actual results. And, and that's all in there. 
So outside of working on, on one, oneself uh, as a professional, you and I have had a previous chat about um, the, the use of data, um, the implementation of backend tools to kind of automate the backend processes uh, for doing what financial advisor does, insurance advisor does on a regular basis. Um, but, you know, some of the conclusions that came out of uh, our last chat were just that data alone is not the answer, that uh, yes, an organization, a business needs to be well-run, well-oiled, um, but there was a topic about going beyond data um, and the idea of creating a comprehensive plan for clients. And I just wanted you to expand perhaps on that thought for, for our listeners. Yeah, sure. I mean, we know that with you know with all the technology uh, changes that are that are coming, that technology is going to be the assistant that we're going to need in the future to help us do more, to deliver more, to get all the information, to get all the data, to maybe do the processing, the upfront onboarding stuff. We're going to be able to use the technology. To be way more efficient in the future, and we're not there yet, but it's 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 slowly slowly coming. I mean, we can see how simple onboarding can be, especially with all the regulatory framework. But you know, mm-hmm. the challenge has been we need more paperwork, more disclosure, more documentation, more more and more. So we're going to use that technology in the future to make it way more efficient. So that's 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 the first key. We we know that that is is coming. And the industry is working very hard to make sure that we're we're getting there. But exactly is beyond data is that when you sit down with a client, and if if you're doing what I call a comprehensive plan, and mm-hmm. what I mean by comprehensive is is you know we want to make sure if we're doing a comprehensive plan, you know, and a question that I have for you and the audience is can you do a comprehensive plan? If you don't have all of people's goals on paper and all of their values on paper, can you do a comprehensive plan if you don't have those goals and values on paper? Can you? You, you cannot, no. So how many people are getting three to six goals from people, getting clarity around what they truly want to accomplish in the future? Because the number one thing that clients want is clarity. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's what they're looking for. I mean, if I knew exactly what I wanted to accomplish and how to accomplish it, I could, you know, probably go online and do the plan myself. But I need that additional clarity of what is it that I'm clearly trying to accomplish. So helping get that goals on clarity and how I make decisions and my values and putting that on paper for people. That's a that's a critical part of the process. And so that's the first step in, in comprehensive planning. The second thing is I ask this question to people all the time, and, and I always I, I always get a funny response to it. How many people you know, and I'll ask you this question, how many people you know have their complete and their total financial life in order in all six areas, organized, tax, estate, investment, risk, insurance, and debt? How many people you know have their total, complete financial Just a, life? I'd, say, I'd say a handful, and uh, yeah. two of those are my, are my parents. And then, and, and actually, myself, I assume my wife and myself. So, <laughs> yeah. counting, not counting my family, I would say uh, only a few. Yeah, and I, I, it's funny. I sat down with the uh, CPA yesterday. And I asked the CPA. I asked uh, her that question, and 
She goes, well, I'm pretty organized, but uh, on paper, hmm, maybe not yeah. that organized. So we kind of had a <laughs> bit of a chuckle about that. Yeah. Right? We could always do, use, use a little more organization. Oh, 100%. Yeah. And so when I asked her this question, I said, so do you understand everything that you pay for and everything that you get and what you don't get for what you're paying for? And she said, no, that, that'd be that'd be good information. I mean, to know exactly everything what you're paying for and getting and not getting for what you're paying for. And so Canadians need total transparency because I don't know how you get total trust without total transparency. And CRM2 is a great first step, but it's only half of the cost. Imagine if I was doing a renovation in your basement and I said to you, we're going to build a cool bar in the basement, so watch some hockey games. And you said, great, go for it. It's 10000 bucks." And you said, awesome, go for it. And I do this fantastic bar in the basement. You're extremely happy with it. And then I show up with a bill, and it's $20,000. So what do you do? Yeah, I'll probably flip out. You're happy about it, right? Yeah. So without total transparency, I don't know how you get the total trust, because it is it's all about the trust. And so transparency is a critical thing that goes beyond the data, beyond the numbers, because it's not important about what the cost is. People are comfortable with the cost. It's what they're getting for the cost. Understanding the total cost, but more importantly, what are they getting? And that's where the feedback comes in. All right, asking them the questions. What are the three things that you value the most about your advisor? And more often than not, it's not, you know, well, I'm getting, you know, a great plan. I'm getting, you know, you know, these great things and I'm getting great technology. It's well, you know, I'm helping, you know, getting ahead, communicating with me, staying in touch and making sure that I'm on track. It's the accountability piece and the clarity piece. And you I don't know if you could have the clarity piece through uh technology. It's gonna be a lot more difficult because a lot of it is, you know, tapping into what you truly want to accomplish and having a discussion and, and bringing those things out. And so having that clarity and that complete transparency and that complete um, understanding of what they're paying for, what they're getting and holding them accountable for sticking to their, to their goals. So we want to make sure that they have a higher probability of success of reaching all of their goals, not just one or two goals, but everything they want to accomplish. They want to accomplish more, right? A funny question that my mentor Bill Backback always asks is he says, Can you can you delegate exercise? Right? Hey, go work out for me and let me know how it is. Can you delegate travel? Hey, go on a trip and tell me how it is, right? Right? You can't delegate these things. So what's more important than to you than money? You know, it's time with family, you know, your health, you know, your travel, those things you can't delegate. You can delegate all the planning and all the organization and all the advice to your financial advisor. And that's the value that they bring is it's beyond the data is they can delegate all these things to help them get clarity, complete transparency, and hold them accountable. So the, the comprehensive plan is helping people get what I, I call is a, um, a greater probability of success of reaching all of their goals. What is the probability of success of reaching all of your goals currently? Right? And knowing that you've got an 80 to 100% probability of success of reaching all of your goals and staying on track. 
And the final thing is, is putting a team together to help coordinate and put that together. Because not one advisor can do it alone. They need the accountants. They need the lawyers. Maybe they need a mortgage uh, specialist. Um, you know, obviously people deal with real estate. They might need residential or commercial real estate for their business or their home. And putting that comprehensive team together to help coordinate all of those financial activities in their life. And so those are what I call the five keys. Values and goals, complete uh, your financial organization in your life, having a really good understanding of what you're paying for, what you're getting, and then the comprehensive planning and advice with a team. And that's really is the, the what I call the five stages of getting a comprehensive or what I call a quality financial and investment plan. And I, and I use that term because I always hear the term financial plan and people don't really understand what a financial plan is. And I, and I don't like that term because financial plan is, you know, everyone can do a financial plan to be simple and so forth. But I only believe in quality financial investment plan, which is more comprehensive. Make sense? 100%. That's wonderful stuff. Um, on the topic of blind spots, do you, um, do you hear advisors talking about um, blind spots uh, when it comes to kind of their day-to-day operations? Um, you know, how, does, how would an advisor kind of take the advice that you provided and kind of implement it into their day-to-day activities? How do they change their or modify or evolve their behavior? Um, because everything always requires time and, and as a as when you're running a small business when you're running a business uh, it is always difficult to try and prioritize um, your time in, in a day and if you had any tips on you know taking uh, those best practices as it relates kind of going beyond data and the comprehensive plan and, and implementing that on you know into your into your schedule when talking with clients yeah yeah great question you know you know, I fly a lot, so uh, I always, you know, try to think of, of different experiences that I have. So when I get on a plane, you know, whether I'm sitting in first class or, or the, the, the second passenger cabin, I know that there's two unique experiences. I know that. I know that I'm going to have to get on a little bit later on the plane if I'm sitting in the back of the plane. Um, you know, the seat isn't going to be as large, you know. It's a different experience. And a little we colder, know that. A little colder. We, yeah. <laughs> we, we know that going in, right? Yeah. And so what I encourage advisors, and, and we all know we need to do this, but segment our business and really make it simple. This segment between you know, your first class uh, clients that generate a majority of your revenue and income and the rest of your clients. And segmentation is the critical piece. And, and don't just do it once. Do it on an annual basis. So... Once we have our client segmented, now we need to identify what our best clients are looking for because they're paying us ten to twenty thousand dollars a year. And so, if they're paying us ten thousand dollars a year and they're going to be with us for at least a decade, they're going to pay us a hundred thousand dollars of potential revenue over that period of time. So, is it worth it to sit down with a group of them? and really nail what their experience is from their perspective. So I encourage advisors to do this, very simple. It's a two simple, two simple things. First off is just grab one of your ideal clients and ask them, take them out for lunch, 
and ask them a whole bunch of feedback questions on how am I doing? I'm thinking of doing this and how is my, how's our communication? How is our service levels? You know, how do you like our meetings? Just asking a whole pile of really good questions to really getting it from their experience. And take one or two people out for lunch and do that. And then once you start to see, you know, you know, yesterday is a good example. We, we, I did that with another advisor and we asked one of his, his clients a whole series of questions and he realized a couple of things like, you know, the newsletter is, it was a complete waste of time for, for clients and they never read it. They didn't see any value in it. So why send it? And they thought, Hmm, they're communicating, right? This is good communication. That was the communication they were looking for. The client gave a completely different set of parameters on what they're looking for from communication. And the, the advisor was rapidly writing a whole pile of notes on, hmm, this is good stuff, because I would have never thought of it this way. So asking your clients and, this. And sorry, how, uh, how long had that advisor been in business for? Oh, 15 to 20 years. Always, always learning something new then. Yeah, this is a, this is a you know, very experienced, very successful advisor. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, a long-standing relationship um, was was in a bank for years, and just it was kind of a a refresher of you know yeah I need to do feedback and so he asked me to come along and facilitate the feedback discussion, and uh, so if you do have a, someone who can facilitate the the feedback discussion, it becomes even easier. And so I did the feedback discussion, and then you know I did another uh, you know I'd grab one or two clients and, and start. To do the feedback and then once you start to see that feedback then do it in a group setting and i've done several where i'm the coordinator i'm the facilitator in the group discussion but bring in bring in you know five to ten of your best clients you know buy them a you know a breakfast lunch or dinner um we even did it on a weekend uh, a brunch thing for for a group of people and i've done several of these and the advisor is just massively writing a whole pile of notes based on the feedback that they're getting from their client. And that's really, truly helping them nail the ideal client experience, what they're looking for from the communication, what they're looking for from meetings, what they want to get out of it, and what to really build on in the future. So have some ideas that you want to build on in the future and things that you can drop or eliminate that may not provide any value to people whatsoever. And so really, you know, you can hear that I'm passionate about the feedback and doing the feedback exercise because that was the number one driver of my business and two things happened. Number one is I got the feedback I was looking for because I was always thinking of putting ideas in my business. So I needed that feedback. And the second thing is I actually cloned those clients because mm -hmm. I told them, we're looking for five or six more people exactly like you would it be okay if we put an event on, you brought a friend and you introduced us? What events would you say that we should do that would facilitate something like this? And you'd be amazed on what clients said. Oh, why don't you do this? And hey, we'll do this and we'll bring a guest and we'll do this. They were willing to do it and help the advisor and me out uh, exactly what I'm looking for. It was, you know, it worked. So well, and I've shared it with so many advisors, and yet so few do it. And I think it's because maybe they're afraid of the feedback. Maybe they don't want to hear the things, um, what clients say about them. 
but honestly, 95% of the time it's completely positive. And, you know, the last one I did with a group in, in Edmonton, the client got up at the end of the meeting. It was about two hours, and I was asking them. We had a nice, nice brunch. And the client got up at the end of the meeting. He goes, you know what? I didn't know what to expect out of this meeting, but it was a lot of fun. And uh, I appreciate you coming here. And I'd be more than happy to do it again in a year. And I'm looking so forward to my next meeting with my advisor. And I'm going to share some referrals. And I'm going to introduce them to some people. I'm going to bring them to some events. And I'm going to tell them about some other professionals that he should put into his network. And the advisor looked over at me and going, holy smokes, that's more than I expected. And I go, I told you, trust me on this one. It works extremely well. If you want to find your blind spots, find someone who can facilitate a feedback meeting and you will just be completely blown away. And it will be your business growth strategy to clone your best clients. And it will help solidify exactly what your ideal clients are looking for from an ideal client experience. So try that one on. That's a great place to start. That'll, that'll keep advisors busy for a while. <laughs> Love it. Uh, final topic, um, kind of the future of, uh, of advising and the future of the advisor. Um, FNA, we talk quite a bit about our, our idea of the bionic advisor and as an advisor that's utilizing technology to, to make better business decisions, uh, enable their practice to run smoothly, um, and get kind of data insights, uh, they require to be you know, better prepared uh, when they're when they're meeting their clients. Um, what what are you seeing right now traveling across the country, meeting with advisors uh, in, in Canada? Um, I know you do work in the U.S., but in Canada right now, there's a changing regulatory environment. We're seeing large organizations like Manulife and others with different senior senior management levels changing over and, and seeing the the huge shifts. Uh, in terms of adoption of technology. Um, can you give us a little insight right now into that? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little little story with you. I just came back from a, a golf holiday with eight buddies. And we had a great, we had a great time. <laughs> and one of, the, one of the funny things that happened in the trip was I never used Uber before. One guy used Uber, and the rest of the group hadn't really used Uber before. And so... He said, oh, it's simple, and I love it, and you should try it. Well, by the end of the golf trip, every single one of us, all eight of us, were raving about Uber. We all actually had a chance to use it because we're taking cabs, different golf courses, and, and different things. And so we just loved and embracing that technology. Mm -hmm. And everyone said, yeah, they're going to recommend it, and, and they love using it. Mm -hmm. And so I use that as a story because... You know, when I go to a room full of advisors, I said, how many people have a robo-advising account or have ever used the account? And very few hands go up. I mean, if you haven't been a user of the technology, how will you kind of see what the technology is, right? And some people have used it and they've had a terrible experience and some people have used it and they've had a really good experience. But understanding the, what the experience is all about is the, is the first part. So instead of, you know, it's a great way to, what I say, spy on your competitors is really embracing the technology. Just try it. Use it for your own personal 
you know, trial run, as we did with Uber, and, you know, a couple of people said, hey, you know, we'll, we'll you, you know, you download the app, you set up the, set up the account, and call your vehicle, and boom, uh, a Mercedes-Benz <laughs> to our surprise. And it was like, it was yeah. a great experience. And so I think the user experience, more and more people have to realize what the what the user experience is. So if you know anyone listening to this podcast, just try one, two, or three of them to truly understand what it is. I mean, that's what you guys are trying to do at, at Finale is just try it and seeing what that experience is like, and and all of a sudden it's like, wow, this is this is great. This is like the Uber experience, and everyone's going to be start talking about it and telling everyone and Viral marketing starts and spread the word, and they'll tell everybody else about it, right? And so I think that's that's the, that's the that's the big part. It's just you know with technology, everyone's like, "Ooh, I don't have an Instagram account." Well, maybe I should have one. Well, Instagram is the new you know um, social media tool to use. So you know, learning and embracing it, and eventually that adoption rate starts to go up and up and up, as you know on on the technology side. So I think that's the that's the first thing to answer your question. And and then the, you know the second thing is we know that from the research that you know advisors have a solid relationship with their clients. That's not an issue. You're great at the relationship. Always could be a little bit better on doing comprehensive or quality financial planning advice. Absolutely, we can always you know use a little bit of work on that. But when you combine relationship with comprehensive planning and advice and technology, the research says the advisors that combine all three, relationship, comprehensive planning and advice, and technology have 40% more assets and 40% more revenue than advisors that don't. So it's up to you, but the most successful advisors combine all three and they're earning 40% more than advisors that aren't. So the longer we say we don't have enough time to adopt technology and we don't have enough time to learn about technology and we don't have enough time to do all that stuff, well, you're losing out on 40%. So you have to make the time to learn about these technologies. And and that's what I would encourage people to do. And I think that's what you guys are trying to do as well get people to at least try it from a user and seeing what that experience is. And also it's like, wow, this is fantastic. And start telling other advisors and start spreading the word virally. And that's probably a bit of part of your marketing that you guys are trying to do at Finale. Is that right? This is that's correct. Yeah. That's correct. Fantastic. Um so we'll wrap up here with uh, maybe we'll just wrap up with uh, You've got uh, three keys uh, to, uh, I guess, building a top practice, top, top performing practice. And, and those three keys were ideal growth, ideal capacity, and ideal lifestyle. Do you want to touch on those before we wrap up? Sure. Uh, you know, the first one is, is, you know, your ideal growth. We know that you're great at relationships. We know that advisors are great at that. We know that the future is going to be more about comprehensive planning and advice than products and services. Because if we do comprehensive planning and advice, we're going to have more products and services. So instead of starting with products and services, comprehensive planning and advice. 
And the third piece, as you know, is that technology piece. Have to embrace that technology piece. We look at Tesla today that just unveiled a brand new semi. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. seeing what all the technology brings, it's, it's, it's exciting. It's, it's going to be very exciting and interesting. And so embracing technology, the Darwinism of the financial world, right? Adopting to those changes. And so that's the, you know, ideal, you know, practice. And finding those ideal clients is, is, is the challenge. And those ideal clients is what I call is more of a financial delegator. We know that fidelity is a study years ago, and they do studies uh, ongoing. We know that roughly 40% of, of people out there are financial delegator. In other words, they trust you, they like you, they're all in. They give you all the business. And finding financial delegators is the key to really building that ideal business because finding, you know, 50 ideal uh, financial delegators is the ideal practice to look for, right? Just finding Can you define, define delegators? Yeah. So um, someone that can delegate all of their total financial life, tax, estate, investment, risk, insurance, debt, and the comprehensive planning advice that you're going to coordinate with a team of professionals and delegate that and trust you to take care of it all. The majority of their business and their assets and, and their trust is with one financial advisor or professional or one financial team. It's what I call a mini family office. So you put a large fence around this person and so they have a mini family office to take care of all those services. And I call it the I call it the doctor effect. I mean, you don't have a doctor for the top half of your body and a doctor for the bottom half of your body. No. Right? No, I don't. No. Sounds crazy, doesn't it? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yet so many advisors accept the fact that half the business is with one advisor and half the business is with another institution. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. That's they'll never be a financial delegator. Don't try to make them a financial delegator. People that are going to delegate everything to you, give you all the information, and work with you to help them get to where they want to go. Not saying, well, we'll try it and we'll see how you do, or we'll test you out, or we'll give you a little bit of business. Right? If I was an accountant, I'm not going to say, well, I'll do a tax return for you. If you like it, then you can pay for it. Right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't work that way. You find someone you can trust, and you trust them. To take care of you. So that's the first piece. And then finding those ideal clients, the second piece is the ideal capacity. Mm-hmm. And I can say from some experience, I was past capacity three times. I just kept on taking on more and more clients, thinking that's going to solve all my problems from my business and my revenue and everything else. And why don't we deliver more value to less clients? And so in delivering more value, what is the ideal revenue that you want to get from an ideal client? Is it $5,000, $10,000, $20,000, $30,000 a year? What is the ideal revenue you want to get from an ideal client? And finding that ideal client and the ideal revenue and then increasing it every single year. Getting more revenue, delivering more to less clients. Building a mini comprehensive planning, family office, 
to larger, higher net worth clients, and and finding those finding those people. So finding your ideal capacity is difficult, and that's not easy because a lot of advisors are working well past capacity, mm-hmm. trying to service way too many clients. And there's, there's and there's this. Uh, you know, you start off maybe at 21 and, and everything is gravy. You've got no responsibilities and then you fall in love at 25 and, you know, you're married at 27 and you have kids at 31. And so these life changes milestones um, are, are wonderful, wonderful to have. But when it comes to managing and developing a business, um, if you don't have a coach or you haven't read the great marketing for financial advisors, um, it's really difficult to change one's behavior. Um, and so maybe can you speak to, I guess, the ideal lifestyle piece then? Um, do you find advisors are asking themselves these questions and do they only ask themselves the lifestyle question when they've reached capacity, but the capacity is only quote unquote reached or overextended when a new life event actually happens for them uh, that triggers that you know review of time? Yeah, yeah, like a perfect example is I always, I always do in my workshops, let's do simple segmentation. You're going on holidays, and the day you're going on holidays, you get a call, two phone calls, one from an ideal client and one from a transactional client. What does the transactional client say to you? Hey, can I get this done before you go on holidays? And what does the ideal client say to you? Hey, have a great holiday. We'll talk to you when you get back. And in other words, is finding a practice with the clients that fit what you're trying to accomplish and your lifestyle. It's not easy because we want to help people and we want to service people, but not everyone has the same level and understanding of, Hey, if I text you on holidays, I want to hear back from you, right? There's nothing earth shattering important that you need to text me when I'm on holidays to take care of things, right? We have a team put together to service you if I'm away. And so advisors should be able to have the lifestyle that they've always worked towards, you know, four to eight weeks holidays off a year to make sure that they have the ideal lifestyle they're looking for because that's a big reason why they got into the financial business in the first place. They can earn a good living and, if managed properly, have a great lifestyle. a lot of advisors are running into that, geez, I've just taken on so many clients and I'm, I'm just too busy to do it all. And now they have to relook at their practice and resegment and what should I do with these clients and bring on an associate and how do I grow and all the growing pains that they go through, you know, over time can be managed. And, you know, one of the, a great book that a, a gentleman wrote by the name of Philip Halliday's it's called the ensemble practice, and I highly encourage people to get a copy of this because it helps people go through three phases. It's the sole advisor and all the challenges it is as a sole advisor. Then eventually you have a team and all the challenges you have as a team. And then eventually you really grow and you have this ensemble of a larger team. And each person goes through all those different growing pains, just like all small businesses do, but eventually get to medium and large size businesses. There's no difference in the financial world. And so what we try to do is we try to apply what I call a a very simple Six Sigma effect, which is helping people build the most successful processes 
into running the practice. Because we know that the most successful advisors have processes to run their business. So what are the processes I need to do to run my business successfully? That's a big part of the coaching and training that we do in workshops and on one-on-one for advisors to truly help them master those ideal processes that they need to run their business so that they can have the ideal capacity, which gives them the ideal lifestyle, and they're servicing the ideal clients that they're looking for. And all three go hand in hand. You can't just separate each one and say, once I have this, then I'm going to have a great lifestyle. And once I have all these great clients, then I'm going to have a great business. It doesn't work that way. All three have to be managed on an ongoing basis and applied to get there. So going beyond, oh, 100% it makes sense. And uh, going beyond data, you, you need to find the time to be able to build out that comprehensive plan and build out uh, the language that you're going to use uh, with your clients. So uh, to get that ideal growth, ideal capacity, ideal lifestyle. So that is a, a wonderful way to conclude uh, today's podcast. I thank you so much, Grant, for your time. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Um, we're very grateful here at Paneo for uh, you taking the time. To, uh, out of your business channel to, to share some of your wisdom with us. Yeah, thank you. And uh, I highly encourage people to do two things. Feedback, as I talked about, and embrace and adopt technology. And it just, at the very least, just try it. Uh, Grant Hicks, CIM, is an author, speaker, coach, and practice management consultant. He is the founder and national director of practice management at www.advisorpracticemanagement.com. Mm-hmm.